Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to All Stats Out We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Martin Riley, the ageing, injury-prone fullback of the podcast. Let's hope I don't break like Sam Byron was broke by Leeds. And I'm joined by the ageing, injury-prone striker of the podcast, Dan Holdsworth. He's been used more than Pat Bamford. Let's hope him and Pat remain unbroken. Dan, how are you doing? I'm um, I'm feeling very broken today because it's my first day back at work after Christmas. So, but otherwise, I'm fine. How are you, mate? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've had a nice home cooked Indian for tea, which is always one of my favourites to cook, and I'm very much full after it. So, I'm doing good on the on that. How about you? Have you had anything nice to eat? Yeah, snap. I had a Indian tonight actually, homemade. So there we are, snap, and homemade flatbreads to go with it as well. Okay, that's good. My accompaniment wasn't homemade. I just had some. Starbart nine breads to go with it. I've never been very good at making bread or anything to go with curries, so that that will have to do. But we're not here to talk about food, even though we do it every single time. We're here to talk about Leeds United and their recent two fixtures against West Brom and Birmingham. As Birmingham is the most recent of the fixtures, we'll talk about that game in a bit more detail. But first, we'll discuss the West Brom loss. Firstly, with the game summary. So Leeds started this game in their usual 4-2-3-1 formation, with West Brom opting for a slight change to their usual formation and went with a 4-3-3 shape. Leeds placed the ball more than West Brom in the opening phase of the game, with West Brom mainly looking to attack in transition. However, Leeds weren't able to make this possession pay off, with only half chances created. West Brom got into the game a little more around halfway through the first half and had some spells of possession and some good chances via set pieces, one in which a shot was cleared off the line. West Brom were able to make a spell of possession payoff when Jed Wallace put a cross into the box. The initial shot from Diangana was saved. The ball broke straight back into his path and he called from close range, making the score 1-0 in the 37th minute. Leeds had the greatest share of possession for the rest of the half but weren't able to create any good opportunities. second half started off with West Brom having a good spell of possession and generating a lot of set pieces. Leeds got into the game around 10-15 minutes in and made some substitutions and for the rest of the game, heavily with West Brom happy to sit deep and wait for counter-attacks. Leeds weren't able to score or create any high-value chances, and the game ended 1-0 to West Brom. And we'll move on to the interrogation. So, in this game, Leeds dominated possession in the first half, but West Brom put up more than double RXG, creating 1.19 XG to our 0.53. Firstly, what was happening to enable West Brom to create more XG than we did? 
So I think it's down to do with the uh, good tactical setup from um, Carlos Corbran. So if if you look at the way sort of West Brom moved the ball, they moved it quite well, sort of drawing us in quite well, and then they left Jed Wallace sort of high and wide. And I think they knew that we would probably um, like invert on our left side, and and we had um, Sam Byram sort of sat behind Crescencio Somerville on our left side, making our left side very narrow. So on their right hand side, Jed. Jed Wallace was able to always be a spare man and be loose on the right hand side. So I just think from a tactical perspective, they always had a really good out ball. And then and that was just a really like reliable route to goal for them. So they just had a more reliable route to goal than we had. Um and I also think when they were in kind of in more advanced positions, like just just the way they built and the way they had sort of players in attacking positions and the way they had their kind of players spaced out and, and, and uh, you know, attacking good areas was way better in terms of a setup than what we had. So I just thought they, just, they were just way better set up for, for the tactical challenge of the game than we were. They, like I say, they realised there would be a weakness in our defence. They they attacked that relentlessly uh, with Jed Wallace high and wide. He's a great crosser and they just always had good runners and good players and like hitting good spaces like frequently. And I think that just hurt us a lot. And, and, it, and it felt like the opposite for us. Like we didn't really have a really clear idea or way of hurting them beyond balls over the top, which did work to some extent. But, you know, that was it really from that perspective. Yeah, I'd agree with what Albert said there about West Brom setup. That was probably the biggest thing um, what was stopping us from creating more and them creating better ones than us, really. Um, especially with the way their right side was operating with Wallace high and wide and Furlong was inverting, uh, which caused a little bit of confusion around the goal, especially as to who was going to continue tracking Furlong and then no one was tracking Wallace. And it was just the spacing was all off in that moment and they took advantage and Wallace had plenty of space to put his ball in. And yeah, that's how how the goal came about. Uh, just regards to us ourselves and that, why we weren't able to create some shots, this is a continuation of the last one. Uh, there was an article which we put out recently about some of the reasons why we weren't able to make more of West Brom and bypass their very well-drilled mid-block, which they had, had in place. And... We felt that we in this game, especially, we just didn't move the ball quick, quickly enough from one side to the other to take advantage of base where where it was, and in particular uh, when Jed Spence was getting quite high and in some lovely space, and we were getting the ball over to him, but it was through little yeah just short passes, and then West Brom were able to set themselves for him and surround him with players, so he couldn't do anything when he when he got on the ball. So, and that's something I think Bobram will have known about, about us that we sometimes don't do those long balls from one side of the pitch to the other. And it's one thing that I think we should, we have the players capable of doing um, in both midfield slots, uh, both number two and Kamara are both able to hit those long Center balls. Backs. And Center some backs can do as well. it as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We've got plenty of players who are capable of doing it. And in this game particularly, we, we had Groove who came in and he showed some very good long balls in his locker. But for some reason, we weren't looking to try those into wider areas. And that is something which a lot of teams use against us, and West Brom did it themselves to pretty good effect. And the spacing that we have between our our defence, our defensive lineup is quite narrow, and let's say almost quite similar to the way Jesse Marsh had us in this game. <laughs> you, you beat me to it. I was just going to make that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was they were like we're all on top of each other's toes, aren't we? The we the attackers were all on top of each other, weren't they? You know, clumped up in little clumps and. That's fairly easy to defend, isn't it? You just you just kind of get bodies across and put a wall up against it, don't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. And that just didn't help us because the, the people were getting in each other's way and we weren't able to get anyone in clear space because of, of that. And it was easy for West Brom to defend. 
in, in that and their spacing in their defence was better than what ours was. They made sure to have players a little bit wider for the fullbacks, keeping an eye on Spence and the rest of it. And yeah, it was just a much better tactical setup from Corbran than what Harker went for with us, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's the old idea, isn't it? The, the you know you're up against the back four, so there are, there are sort of five channels to attack, aren't there? You know the kind of wide channels and the three inside channels, if you like. And we weren't kind of filling all those gaps, were we? We'd find you know on the right, our right hand side, we'd have we'd have Rutter drive out there, Perot would go out there, and we'd have Dan James and you know um, and and Spence as well. So we'd like four four players in the outside two channels or something, and there'd be nothing on on the other in the, like just Somerville on his own the other side or vice versa. Like if we just if we just Spaced, if we just spaced our attackers out a little bit better, you know, West Brom would have to spread, spread their defence out a bit more. And, and then, and then, you know, you, you've got a little bit more space to manoeuvre. And, and also another thing is we didn't have a great deal of depth, did we? There was, there weren't that many players making that many runs in behind apart from for big long balls. So in settled possession, when the midfield had the ball, you know, some of them would come towards the ball. Rutter would come towards the ball. Perot would come towards the ball. There was no one kind of no one making a, sh- a run towards the ball while someone made a run the other way, you know, just to kind of distract the defense or you know give the defense different different depth different depth problems if that makes sense as well as spacing problems. So yeah, it just felt very a lot of kids chasing the ball type performance really. Now, one thing you mentioned there was uh, no, no, not players going for runs beyond the defense often enough, and that's something which um, I think changed in the second half when Jim Manford came came onto the pitch. He was making a lot of good runs. And so the, this sort of ties into our the next question, actually. So, so why weren't we able to create better chances in the, in the second half when this changed? So we had these players who were making these runs and we just weren't taking advantage of those. Can you use the, why we weren't trying to use a, use a pap more, more often in the game? Oh, yeah, perhaps just unfamiliarity. I mean, I don't think... I suppose um, unfamiliarity with Pat Banford from probably like Perot and Rutter and those guys I haven't played a great deal with them have they just the odd spell here and there um, and Gruev as well who, who got quite a bit of ball so I just don't think they were looking for those passes really um, so I just think it's probably just some familiarity and it's probably just something they were told because we saw it well, if we'll get to this on the Birmingham game but we saw a lot more of that in the Birmingham game didn't we those kind of those runs from Pat and players looking to find him so I guess it's probably just a case of unfamiliarity I would say I mean these these players should know to to look for that, but they, they weren't doing it, were they? No, I think there were some times where they did spot the run, but then they just went for an easier option. I think it was over uh, being too safe with ball almost at times. And against a team like West Brom, who are very solid, you have to try these high risk passes more often. You know, to get in behind because their line was quite high, especially in the second half. Um, it. Got deeper toward the end of the second half, but I think not long after, after Pat came on, it was relatively high, and that was, I think because in the opening of, of the second half, they had a pretty good spell of dominance to West Brom. And did, 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 would you put that down to the way that they, they started the second half, or do you think, think it's something that we were doing differently? No, I think they came out quite intense second half, didn't they? You know, they had a one goal lead, and I guess they just felt like you know taking the game two leads and sort of dampening leads you know they're probably worried about leads coming out really hard at the start of the second half so it's probably just like a, the best form of defense sometimes can be attack it's probably a bit of that attitude isn't it and they probably just come out and thought right we're going to go hard at these and you know and keep the momentum with us because by the end of the first half the momentum was with West Brom wasn't it I think um, it's probably just a case of keeping the momentum going really from that perspective and you know making leads turn around and chase back so it's probably that I mean just on the kind of runs in behind thing when we're playing well early in the season one thing I noticed and really liked particularly with Dan James and Somerville is how quick they were to run forward 
how quick they were to look to run in behind. They were very quick and sharp to go quickly, and it seems like almost like they're not doing that anymore. Although we haven't done that over this little sticky little spot, patch we've had, I'd just like to see more of that because, like I say, I think the depth of our attacks is is off at the moment, isn't it? Or it has been. Perhaps it looked a little bit better against Birmingham, but you know we we need we've got a lot of players like like Rutter and Perot who tend to come towards the ball, so we need players that do the opposite, don't they? Go the other way, you know, just to change the depth of the attack. And if Somerville and Dan James are coming towards the ball as well, then no one's going behind. So yeah, it's just something that definitely didn't happen against West Brom a great deal, apart from. A couple of good long balls that went over the top to non-term butter. Um, so, yeah, I just think we need to think about that and have, have more of a, a systematic approach to kind of like depth and spacing yeah. with the way we attack. That makes total sense. And after this, the spell where Bomb had star fell possession towards the start when we managed to they were petting a bit more and or on the ball a lot more and had those set-piece opportunities, uh, Leeds had the majority of possession, really, with second-half possession standing at 68% to Leeds. So we nearly 70 percent of the sessions so i think we've probably discussed all this more but why do you think we weren't able to create more from that all that session which we had because we were to camp around their box quite often numerous times and we just weren't able to get any good opportunities there's always players in the way or not the right pastures what, what would you say was one of the biggest reasons for this was yeah, I mean, the, the tempo's way off, wasn't it? You've said before the speed of the way we played. You know, it was very... To get the ball out to Spence, it would go through three players before it got there, where we could just do with Ampadu picking the ball up and getting it directly out to him quickly and then shifting West Brom quick and then moving moving just a bit quicker. So the, the tempo is definitely off. And that's partly good good defensive display from West Brom. They were kind of getting in our way and, and you know, making it difficult for us to play quickly. Give, give them credit. And it's, it was a good setup from Corbin in that respect. So um, we were too slow to play. And then... Just, just like I say, like a lack of discipline in the way we attacked. It was just all a bit ad hoc, wasn't it? And like, a, it almost felt like a lot of players who had been thrown together in pre-season, and this is the first pre-season game. You know, it just felt a bit disjointed, it wasn't it? Really, um, it's, like what, what was the? What, I mean, what was the clear idea beyond occasional balls over the top? What was the clear idea breaking West Brom down? I mean, I don't know, do you? Whipping crossed into the box, that seemed to be the only thing which I could see. <laughs> and we don't really have someone who's a very good target for headers really that is decent with them but nothing special really even though he did score against Birmingham but we're a fairly big team leads aren't we we're, yeah we're not a small team are we really anymore but we're not yeah we're not exactly tiring headers of the ball either you know it's not something we have a lot of so I think that's about everything for the West Brom analysis so we'll think we'll move on to the Birmingham game unless you've got anything else that you want to go with for the West Brom game no just uh, I mean just just credit to Corbyn really for a really really good tactical setup um but I think this shows the problem with <laughs> with this league, isn't it? These guys, you know, these teams can put up a really great, great tactical display and then go and lose the ne- and beat Leeds and then go and lose the next match. It's, it's a really, like, really frustrating, annoying thing, isn't it? But I think we need we need to have a better solution to these sort of games, don't we? We need to work on a better solution for these sort of games, and we need to have more, I guess, more systematic ways of getting into the into dangerous areas with the right players arriving at the right time at the right, you know, in 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 the right order, if that makes sense. So. We don't really, we don't always arrive, do we, with a near post runner, a far post runner, and a penalty spot runner? I mean, how often do you see that? Very rarely. It's, it's usually one or the other, but never all three. We don't, we don't often have those options to. So if, or, if or at least two, front and yeah, back exactly. post at least, yeah. And, yeah. and someone arriving late for it, for anything that bobbles. How often do we see that? Now we've got someone who should be ideal for arriving late in Perot, like very good at that. You know, how often. Have we generated attacks where he's like running on into the penalty spot just as it's cut back for him to like run onto? We don't do enough of that, do we? And like, like his superpower, his championship superpower is arriving and, and hitting those balls and, <laughs> and finishing very well. We've, um, 
you know, we've got players like Somerville and James who are super quick and can beat a marker and can whip a ball across really well. Would would seem an obvious thing to be working on. And yeah, just I don't know why we don't do it and why we don't have we don't construct attacks in such a way that we, you know, Somerville and, and James and players like that aren't, aren't aren't hitting you know cutbacks from the from the from the goal line basically, you know, to the penalty spot onto the edge of the six yard box. And why the runners aren't. Yeah, there's not enough of, of players trying to get even to the um, byline to put in those backs and pullbacks. It's usually just a, a little bit deeper than that, and it's usually easily out. But when you get to the when you get to the byline, it's it's a bit more difficult for defenders to deal with. And we saw those sort of movements a lot with Bielta, and that was the way he generated a lot of stuff with uh, the two advancing eights getting into the box and crashing with scoring mini goals. And uh, so yeah, the, the, those sort of things is what we need to see more of. But I would agree. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's really, really hard because I mean, Pep, early Pep at Man City made his living on that, didn't he? Sane, um, Sane and, and Sterling, they were the masters of that kind of stuff, weren't they? Arriving and, and putting those goals away. You know, the far side winger arriving at the back stick and tapping away. I guess maybe maybe we're talking about this as if it's a really easy thing to construct and it takes someone like Pep to really make it work. I don't know. <laughs> make those kind of goals work. Well, it's, it's possible. Uh, these sort of things could be d- done through concerted um, practice in the training and how the training is set up and we know for one that Bielsa is, is very good at getting his ideas across and getting these concerted patterns of play going but we can get, dive into the, these sort of discussions in the future pods we've got a bonus pod coming up so we could dive into that a bit more then I think moving on to the Birmingham analysis so first of all we have a game summary Leeds approach this game with their usual 4-2-3-1 formation with Birmingham going for a 3-5-2 Leeds had a great share of possession across the whole of the first half with Birmingham only having small periods of possession mainly looking to attack in transition Leeds created some decent chances in the opening 30 minutes with Birmingham struggling to create Leeds broke the deadlock in the 34th minute when Patrick Bamford headed home with Dan James Cross making the score 1-0 Leeds continued to apply pressure and it played off just before half time with Dan James scoring with a deflected effort and the junior Furpo back, making the score 2 0 going into the second half. The second half continued much like the first with Leeds dominating possession, Birmingham having the odd spell possession here and there, but mainly not creating much for Birmingham either way. Leeds continued their possession and made, made a transition attack payoff in the 67th minute with Presentio Sumville again burying a shot from I think it's a junior purple cutback and it ended, ended 3-0 to Leeds so that's about everything for the Birmingham game moving into the interrogation but before we do that time for an ad break there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm just going to have to quickly plug the Patreon so Tom Alderson doesn't murder me in my sleep. 
don't worry, patrons, you don't have to listen to this part. Our patrons get access for as little as one ninety nine per month, which gives you ad-free podcasts, and if you want to pay a little more, you get other benefits, including early access to our preview pods, analysis articles, videos, buds, podcasts. Recently, we've done an article on the West Brom game, like I mentioned earlier. If you want to find out more about our Patreon, please visit Dan. Patreon.com forward slash ASAW Patreon. Great. Now let's get back to the analysis. So, given our recent struggles creating XG in open play phases, why were we able to create as much as we did in open play in this Birmingham game? For reference, we created 1.75 open play XG, which is the fifth highest of the season so far. So what would you put that down to? Did we did we create a lot more um, set piece as well? Because I thought you said it was was it two point something overall XG? I forget now. Yeah, there was two point eight in total, with one point seven five of that being open play. So there's a good good chunk of set piece XG in, in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like some of the issues. I mean, I'm, I'm going to confess to a listener here. I, I I've got a season ticket, but I didn't go at this game. I gave it away. Um, and I've only just watched the game today. This is Wednesday the third, by the way. So um, it's quite interesting watching it kind of fresh a couple of days later. Um, and I was watching the game for the first 20 minutes and I was like, this is dog shit. This is just like the West Brom game. And then it just kind of came into life a little bit around 20, 25 minutes to half an hour. And, I, and I, I'd i love to go back in really detail and look at what changed. But I wonder if we just started to, some of the combination with Rutter and Bamford and Somerville and, and James as well, actually, was really great. Some of like, like the, the movement started to really improve. And the way, you know, Bamford were running behind or if Bamford dropped deep, Somerville would go behind. So it just felt like a very much more fluid once we got going, once we got into the game, you know, sort of back end of the first half, second half, it just felt like a really, really fluid performance where there were runners in behind, there were people dropping close to the ball, the gate, we were stretching the pitch better. So it just felt like overall we were doing all the basic things that we've grumbled about against West Brom. We weren't doing, we didn't do it against Preston either, and we did do here. So it just felt like great. So just having Bamford's profile probably helped, I think, you know, a centre forward that took care of the centre backs and went behind. And I think we just saw way more kind of of decisive forward line forward runs from like, like Somerville and James as well, and I guess that made a ton of made a ton of space for Rutter just to do Rutter things. I mean, Jorginho, you know, sexy as anything the way you know, but he had an absolute acre of space to do Jorginho things. Um, so you know, if you, if you have a good centre forward making space for him, he's gonna he's gonna thrive, isn't he? Yeah, I would agree with all you said. All you said there, it was a lot more fluid than what we have seen, um, and it was just. Very good to watch. Uh, I do I do know what you mean about the, the opening twenty or so minutes. That it was a little, little bit stodgy at times, but it sort of worked worked its its way out of that. There were a few opportun- opportunities mixed into that at that time, but it did really start clicking around half an hour in, I think. And yeah, around half an hour. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. So and then after that that clicking point, then it we really didn't need too much help. Well, although Birmingham, you have to say, probably didn't help themselves too much with the way they're set up. Um, but before we go into that, the next question is focusing on that. Uh, so we had a question from the delightful Jacob of this parish. He said, how much can we read into yesterday for going forwards? The lack of quality of the opposition was pretty flat. And just so you know, he's not talking about individual player quality here, but more the way they were set up and coached to play this game. Yeah, Birmingham do have some some decent players, actually, some some strong championship players in there. I think they Obviously, Rooney's been sacked since then, so a, a half decent coach will get them playing playing again. Really, I would think. Um, you know, there was a reason there were six in October. You know, a good coach could get tuned out of those players. But yeah, just in terms of the setup, um, it, it it kind of felt like a little bit like um, a bit like Watford at the start of the season when they didn't come to press. They came to try and play football, but they didn't quite have a quite have a, 
a good deep block. It's just like they were kind of between two st- two schools. What you know, were they supposed to be pressing us and pressuring us? Were they supposed to be low blocking? What were they doing? It just felt like it. Like there was no real, they had no real clear idea about how they were going to make life difficult for Leeds. Like Preston had a very clear idea idea about how to make it difficult for Leeds. West Brom obviously did, um, and it kind of felt like Birmingham just came just to play a game of footy without really any tactical plan. It was just like they kind of played a 3-4-3 or a 3-5 or a 3-4-1-2, whatever you want to call it. And it was it was just so easy for us to get in behind their wing-backs who didn't really work all that hard, then drag that back three apart. And it just seemed like there's so much space for us to, to play with, I felt. So, yeah, it's just, just a weird lack of a game plan more than anything else. Like, what were they, what, what was the plan of, you know? What was their plan? Other than playing a couple of quick forwards and trying to hit, hit, hit in behind us now and again. Yeah, yeah, you've got that spot on. Um, especially when noticed that the way that they have shifted to a, a back five, um, say whatever you want to call it, five three two three three, yeah, for yeah. whatever it is. But I think they haven't played that system all season, so they shift. They shifted to this three system against us specifically. Every other game this season, it's been a back four. So in this game, they decided to go with a back three. Which it's clear that players didn't really understand the spacings correctly as to what they should be doing to stop our players having space, and you can tell it, it really, really told. And their press, they were trying. I think it was meant to be a high press, but it just very rarely worked. I think it worked maybe once or twice during the whole game, a little bit more in the second half. I think it was, but largely it wasn't a, a very good press at all, and that helped us to get forward easily. How many times did we see Somerville down the outside of a cent- the outside centre back or Dan James and the outside centre back having to go out and then Bamford having an acre to run into between the middle centre back and the outside one? Either way, we just saw it a lot, didn't we? You know, and then and then if it didn't go to Bamford, Rutter's running the other side of this, this that centre back. So it was just just acres of space to, for for our front four to run at their back three. It's like what are you doing, lads? Yeah, it well, it did definitely make it easier for us. So. Uh... It's a good question that from Jacob. So there's not really too much we can really take from this game because Birmingham did really make make things easy for us. So we have to hope that the fluidity that we had in our attack continues on to next games and it helps with morale. I think that's probably the biggest thing now that we we did really need to win this game, no matter how bad Birmingham were. It was a game which we needed to win to stop two two losses in a row becoming three, and it also keeps our home record intact as well, which is very important for us this season. But sometimes to, to to like it's like playing a preseason friendly. I must think you know sometimes you need lesser opposition to get things going, and then you you test yourself against better opposition. It's almost like we got our attack going again, didn't we, in this game against lesser opposition? You know, we've got a cup game next week, so hopefully when we come back, we've actually got a fairly kind run of fixtures. I'm touching wood. Why did I say that? <laughs> but we've got a reasonably kind run of fixtures for a while, haven't we? So you know, it's a real opportunity to try these things, isn't it, and get our attack going again and functioning again, um, like it hasn't really. In, in December, I suppose. So, kind of useful in that respect. And we, we saw some good attacking patterns again, didn't we? And we saw a good performance from Bamford and, and Rutter tried in a slightly different position and, and what have you. So, it's kind of, you, you hope it's fuel for it's fuel for the next few games going forward, isn't it? And like you say, like motivation and, and, and a bit of fuel for the coaches to think, hang on, we can attack in different ways here. We can, you know, we can set the team up differently. Because we were kind of getting frustrated, weren't we, with Fark, using the same setup every week. Um, and it's changed it around a bit now, and we've we've sort of alighted on one perhaps in this game that that could work against better teams with, with you know with more polishing. I agree. So this this question isn't on the running order. I just realised that I didn't find anything about it, but I just want to talk a bit about our press in this game. Um, just there was a bit of chat in the group chat about our press 
So I much to get your thoughts on how I did in this game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll take a light swear words. Yeah, my 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 note here: twenty three minutes. Leeds press is shit. Um, <laughs> and and I put that in the group chat. I was watching it early early tonight, and and straight away Tom Wilson focused on Leeds. Tom Wilson came back and said, "Yeah, always is against these bad teams." And it's almost like I kind of wonder if it's a bit half hearted. And Tom sort of said the same that like our press against Leicester away was absolutely tip top. We like we pressed Ipswich to death. There's been some other games where we pressed well as well, but often against these these lesser teams, it's almost like we don't even need to try that hard. I mean, not that we it wasn't always bad. There were moments when we nicked the ball off off um, Birmingham. I think the second goal came from reasonable pressing, and we won the ball high up and counter pressed, didn't we? And, and got the second goal before half time. So it wasn't bad the whole game, but it was quite lackluster at times. And it's almost like there was one time where Jorginho was going to press. I forget who it was. I think it might have been the outside left centre back. Yeah, I think it was, and Dan James kind of trotted up next to him, and the the guy just played the ball between them, and we were we were broken, and the away Birmingham went, and it's just like I think that might have been the thing that triggered me, like Leeds pressed shit. <laughs> so it was almost like half-assed, you know. what I mean, it was a bit like they weren't kind of killing themselves to to press Birmingham. Um, I'm not even sure what the press plan was. I mean, we weren't pressing them high; it was kind of mid-block, and then just jumping on them when they got into the middle midfield a bit. It wasn't particularly high press, was it? In all phases, anyway, occasional. No, I would agree with that. That we have definitely seen better pressing performances from us and than this game. I mean, the pressing was crap at Preston and West Brom as well. Other, other than a few few moments, yeah, I, I would I would agree. Um, I don't I don't think Preston gave us too many opportunities to press. They didn't really engage with the press and generally looked to go a bit more direct. And I think Birmingham did also do that as well uh, for a fair bit. And there was quite a lot of long balls, especially getting it back. Yeah, so that sort of nullified it a little bit in its own way. But despite um, our press not being that great, Birmingham didn't really create any opportunities. What, do you think? Do you think that was down to Birmingham being shit, or was that odds in our deeper areas defending better? I mean, there was a couple of fairly quick interchanges where they got in behind a little bit, but generally our centre backs were able to deal with their their forwards, um, and they, they weren't really able to hold the ball at worthy West, uh, the Birmingham forwards. I mean, I quite like Stansfield and Bakuna and. Um, um, and the other guy whose name has escaped me now, um, Dembele. But Dembele, yeah. But they just lacked they lacked anyone that could hold the ball up. You know, they basically like, we kind of we kind of on the um, on the preview we kind of speculated, didn't we, about them using Jukovic as a hold up player or if they go for the quick players. Um, and I think you were suggesting they should play a target man hold up player. And I think yeah, having watched the game, I think it might have helped if they've had De- you know like Jukovic in there with Stansfield or with Dembele. To run off him, you know, as a, as a kind of a pair. Um, so I just think our centre halves were just just quick enough, and they're just too powerful and strong for those two, and they weren't really getting runners around them from 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 deep. So it was quite easy really to defend from that perspective, from that perspective wasn't it? Yeah, I'd agree. I think especially uh, Rodan had a good game in this um, individually. He did the best of his jewels and really really did help helps out in a lot of circumstances. Uh, but just moving on to a different question there. Uh, Georgie played as a 10 in this game, which is something a lot of fans have been crying out for in time for various reasons. Um, but how, how do you think he did in this match and what differences were you seeing compared to when he played as a striker? Well, I think what he was... Yeah, he had a great game. Um, and and he had acres of space to play in. And he gave Georgie Rutter acres of space to play and he's going he's gonna to hurt you. And, and he hurt Birmingham a lot, didn't he? And he just looked to be enjoying himself. It was a great watch. It was a great view. He was. I really liked how he drifted out combined with the wingers. Particularly on the right hand side, um, 
so he almost played like an inverted like right winger at times, didn't he? There were the sort of positions he was picking up and coming in on his left foot, left foot from the right side. So that's perhaps something we could do with him in the future as well. We could use him on the right in that respect. Um, but yeah, he just just I think he had a, he had a really really good fun game. I think he was up against a completely outmatched opponent, and I think he'd like he had a really nice like. Um, combination with Bamford. I thought Bamford making runs in behind and laying the ball off to Georgie worked quite well. I thought that some of their combination play after the first few minutes was, you know, once we got into the game was really good. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just really nice. I just, I just, I just, I quite like him in this role. I'd quite like to see him off the right as well. I think this could, this could work. Um, but I would, I wouldn't want to completely and utterly abandon the Perot Georgie partnership either because I think there's been times when that's been really good. So I, I think what it, what it make, what we've got is we've got like a, a lot of very nice talented forwards that bring different things and I just like I'd like to see perhaps a horses for courses approach from Fark and use different combinations of forwards for different games for different reasons and and you know this this was a good example of when a, a centre forward like Bamford a classic nine if you like or something close to a classic nine dragged centre centre backs around the mid space for Georgie but there might be other games when we want Georgie kind of high up the pitch and, and combining with, with Perot. Yeah. All very good points. And I think that I think some of the reasons why Georgie was able to get on the ball more was just because he didn't have to make those runs forward as often. So he was able to get involved in deeper areas more. And I think this is the most passes that he's completed um, in a game for us this season. So he's, he's completed more than I think it was. He attempted 44 and completed 31. So that's, that's the most by a good nine passes. The next closest was against Plymouth where he had 35 attempted. So he's he would get on the ball a lot more often. And when you've got a player of Georgia quality, you want to get him on the ball more often. And it did, it did really work to get more out of him and get him into different areas to combine with players. And it's like you mentioned there that he was drifting over to the right side. And when he was drifting over to the right side, you had Dan James who was inverting and staying on the last line. So he was looking to make runs forward as well. So he, just, he did a lot of good things, bringing him that little bit deeper than what he normally does. Obviously, he still did most of the same sort of things as he always does. But just more of it. He's able to get on the ball more often, and it just really did work in this game. Um, obviously, it could be different in other games against um, opponents who don't make it as easy for us as what Birmingham did. Um, but we had another question from Wiggy on Twitter. He asked, "Did having Bamford up front change our approach play in any way?" What do you think, of that one? Yeah, well, just this is going back to the whole discussion around depth, isn't it? We just for the, for the first time we had a forward who wants to wants to go up against his centre-back and roll his centre-back and go behind. So it's just it's that depth point, isn't it? Just more often than not, we had someone dragging the centre-back away and it's just making it's just making space, you know, in his own 40, you know, whatever. It's just in front of the penalty box. There's always a lot more space there for players like Georgie to run into or for Dan James to invert into or whatever. So uh, I just think this is the benefit of a proper centre-forward, isn't it? Taking care of centre-backs, taking them out of the game, making space for those other players. So that's that's the big benefit of, um, of having Bamford. Um, and I guess... In you know, in games where we, I mean, it might work in other sorts of games where we're looking for hold up play a bit more. You know, if we're kind of under, you know, if we're up against a better team who'd on onto the ball, someone like Bamford might be handy in terms of holding the ball up. Although Georgie holds the ball up pretty well, to be fair, when he plays at nine, so it's not a big issue. But yeah, I just think it's just having that that kind of nine profile dragging centre backs around really helped, didn't it? I would agree with that. I don't think the way, way we approached the final third really changed too much. I think it was still pretty much the same sort of style of approaching, yeah, as they did. But there were just better spaces opened up because of Bamford's movement in, in the, inside the box and the way he obviously generates defenders looking at him and making sure he's tightly watched because he's always there. He's, he doesn't let up, doesn't Bamford when he's gets an area that he likes to run into. 
So it's something that the opposition centre-backs always have to be worried about, which is why he is so good and why he always worked so well under Bielsa, even when he wasn't scoring that many goals. Just his general movement itself creates space for others, and that's why he'll, that sort of profile, I think number nine, like you mentioned, is great for us at this moment. But just to talk about this a bit more generally, do you feel that Georgie can work as a 10 with Perot as a 9? Or do you think this is something we can only do when he's playing alongside Bamford or a similar profile number 9? No, we saw it against Preston, I think, didn't we, where, where, where Perot kind of went to 9. Georgie kind of dropped in quite a lot. And he can, they interchange quite a bit, don't they? don't think it quite works. Um, I, I think it could could possibly work if if the wingers were really, really, really like kind of narrow in behind type wingers. Um you know, to give us that, like, like I say, that that, that attacking in behind play. Um, but no, I think I think Georgie nine pro ten is the way to go with those two as a pair. Um, I mean, I, I'd I'd be up I'd be up for seeing Perot with Bamford actually as a pair, but that could work quite well. You know, with, with Bamford as a nine and, and Perot as a ten, because um, Bamford does make those kind of near post and, and depth runs, and Perot can come in later and, and arrive in the penalty spot. So that might be something that works quite well actually. Um, but no, I think I think I think we 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 should stick with Georgie at nine and Perot at ten when they're the combination. And I think both Georgie and Perot can play as a ten with Bamford. Yeah, I'd, I would agree with that. I think the overriding thing is you need someone who is going to be making, I think, centre-forward runs as well as being able to press efficiently and well, which is something which, which Bamford has and Georgie has as well. I don't think he's quite as good a pressing as what Bamford is, but that's just that experience of Bamford. He's been doing it for longer. He knows the best way to do it. And it's not like Georgie is bad at it. He's better than what Perot is at it. I think that's mainly because he's got added help from his physicality and pace that he's got in his game, which Perot doesn't have as, as much of, which really helps Georgie to make that number nine spot his own when both those two are on the pitch. But yeah, it is definitely something to think about. And now that that is clear, clearly able to play more minutes. He started this game and did, did as well. It'd be good to see him use more and different combinations, like you mentioned earlier. With you could have Ruta playing on the on the right, and then then you'd have a front, front line which is Somerville on the left, and you have Perot behind that that is a striker and Ruta on the right. That, that that could also work very well. I think you'd, to to make that work, you'd want Spence playing high and wide on the right, wouldn't you? I think. Yeah, definitely. Because the way the way Rutter sort of floats, and you want Rutter on the ball a lot, so you kind of want him operating like a like a wide ten, really, don't you? Off the right, and drifting in and playmaking and doing his thing, yeah. So you need you'd want you want you definitely want Spence or someone like Spence really bombing on the right hand side to make that really work. Um, but yeah, I mean that's 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 what I want to see. <laughs> you know, see. you know what it's almost starting to sound like the which wide right ten that you're talking about. It's almost starting to sound, sound a bit like Emmy Buendia. That could be Rutter's role in the future if we use Bamford as the hook. Bamford as a pookie and Rutter on the right as the Bondia dropping deeper and having the nine wide fullback aside him. But yeah, something to think about for the future. We had we had a question from Josie on Twitter, and she says, "Does Mara slow our attacks down too much? We seem to get an attacking movement going, and then he'll pass backwards or plus pitch, which slows our momentum." He's a good player, but in traditional attacks, this looks to be a problem to me. What do you make to this one, Dan? I think it's. Um... I think it's true of Kamara and Ampadu. I don't think neither of them are super duper kind of, you know, big switches of the ball or super duper like incisive passes of the ball, are they? They're both kind of guys that like to turn it over and move the ball, get the ball moving. Um, so I don't think Kamara particularly slows attacks down too much in compared to Ampadu. But I do think he is quite a safe player or he's become quite a safe player. Um, 
I sometimes wonder if if Kamara was playing in a midfield free, you might feel like he's got a little bit more freedom to kind of you know be more press resistant and take and do more ball carrying, which I think he can do quite well. So I wonder if there's an element because he knows he's in a double pivot, he's got to play it safe. I wonder if it's a bit of that, a bit of team instruction perhaps. Um, but yeah, the, the, neither of them are particularly expansive passes, are they? Really, the more just guys that keep the ball moving and keep it turning over and win the ball and turn it over type guys. So yeah, I just think it's just a it's just a profile thing, really, isn't it? I think it's just mainly that that, that could just be what Parker wants from his midfielders is to generally be pretty safe and reliable and just link things off rather than going for the high risk balls, which will lose possession. He's wanting to try to keep keep all the all the balls. I think he does do a good good job linking up in and transitional attacks as camera. There's one particular movement. Um, I think about sixty or so minutes in. Uh, where the, the crowd was getting going with the way, way when we was passing it. And there was just a nice little interchange with Camaro in the middle of it. And then Bamford tried to cut the ball back to Somerville, but he got cut out at the end. And that was a particularly great move and could kind of come with a nice goal at the end of it. But to be fair, Birmingham centre-back Sanderson did a good job of cutting it out. But yeah, I think largely... If- you could see you, you could see him doing it in a... Um- like you know, like a more expansive team as as one of two eights, him getting further forward and being more expansive, couldn't he? you? Could see it in his game and him getting wider and higher and combining wingers and stuff, couldn't you? I think that's something he could do. Yeah, I think he would have been good under Bielsa, to be honest. I think he would have been able to do the click roll, the, the click roll quite well. He does make some good movements. I've, I've noticed. I noticed in this game as, as well. He, he often makes these runs forward, um, which are quite reminiscent of the sort of runs that Click used to make getting forward. And it just reminded remind me of Clicker in those individual moments. But largely, I, I like Camera, and I didn't see anything too bad with his game in this one. No, it's fine. It was yeah. just 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 a steady away game, not a great one, not a bad one. Just just, just did his job really. One of those sort of performances. Uh, finally, other than the players we've already discussed, who stood out for you in the game for either good or bad reasons? Well, we've, we've I mean, for for emotional reasons and sentimental reasons, like I'm going to say, Pat Bamford. You know, I, I've, I've, I'm guilty of sort of giving up on him a little bit, but thinking yeah, his days are numbered, and perhaps his days still are numbered. But you know, that that performance made me think, oh, maybe there's a bit of life in the old dog yet. So, you know, if we're lucky, and if we can learn to, and we can learn to manage his body, um, we've got a blueprint for a a pretty decent, different type of centre forward performance there that can help players like Rutter and Somerville in different ways. So, you know, I hope Fark uses that and think, thinks, yeah, I've got a player in Bamford and. And perhaps Bamford isn't the guy you bring off to get you a goal in with ten minutes to play. But if there's a game where you feel like you need his runs and his hold up play and his centre you know, his centre forward play, then use it from the start and then bring somebody else on to nick goals later on. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um he's a, the player who he, he he's not an impact player, isn't Bamford. You're not gonna get that sort of thing from him in, in moments. He needs longer stretches of game time to be able to do what he's good at. And as well we all know his inconsistencies with finishing, but he is still very capable of doing a lot of good for the team, even when it's not scoring goals. So I would agree he was he was very good in this game. He, he was doing a lot of good movements and link-ups with different players and generally doing the things that we all love Bamford for from his history with us. And it was very good to see. Nothing made me happier in that game than Bamford scoring a goal because I just know how massive that is for him because he's a confidence player. And now, it, now he's got that goal that will really help him get into the right frame of mind to play more football. As long as we don't overuse him, we don't want to break him again. Just but he was enough to use him every every game, use him every, every other game in a game there where we particularly think that we'll need a classic number nine to do what he does. Um, but other than Bamford, who else um, was good for you? Well, I, again, we all know the issues of this guy. 
uh, his, his issues of availability. Can you guess who I'm talking about? I wonder. <laughs> it's Mr. Furpo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. Furpo. But he does have some upside, and 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 it's his overlapping and those those low those low cutback crosses. He did a couple in this game. He, he made his name for them at Betis, which got him a big money move to Barcelona. Like he's really, really good at that kind of stuff, isn't he? And with a player like Somerville on the on the on the left hand side coming in a dry inside, from an attacking perspective, there are going to be games where Firpo gives us a lot of that width on the left hand side that we don't always have when we play Barham at left back because he tends to invert also, um, and it could work. But now the only problem with Firpo, well, the only problem there are two big problems with Firpo. Defensively, he's a suspect. He got, almost got caught a couple of times. I've got, I've got on my note here. Furpo defending three exclamation marks. Forty-eight minutes. Yeah, I, I remember what it was now. But he, he got, I remember. He got caught. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, it's just availability. You can't stay fit. So, Leeds United, you know, I implore you, please get a left back. <laughs> um, but if again, like Bamford, if we can treat him in such a way that there are certain games when maybe against low block teams at home when we need that extra width and that extra attacking outlet on the left-hand side. Um, Furpo could be handy and it's just a weapon we can use sparingly and hopefully keep fit and able to drip, drop it in on, 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 on the team now and again. Um, so yeah, he added something to the to the team and it was good to see. It's good to watch when Furpo goes on the outside and puts those great low crosses in. They're really good, to, they're really good aren't they? They're good dangerous crosses. So that, you know, it'd be churlish of me not to not to praise him for what he's good at, but we all know what he's not good at. Um, and we've already mentioned Rodon. I think Rodon was just like impeccable at the back, wasn't he? he? Just mopped everything up basically all day long. Yeah, he was fantastic. I thought him and uh, I think that actually did especially good in this game. I thought um, on the ball especially, um, he was very good. So when, when Birmingham were pressing, he was good at getting fun little ways to get out of it and using his ball carrying to get us out of certain situations. And I thought he he had a good game. There were some comment, uh, quite a few comments in our group chat about uh, certain Liam Cooper about having a really really bad game, and I could see where the people were coming from in in some moments, especially in the first half. Uh, there was a lot of him getting quite high and aggressive, and then not winning the ball, and which led to the player run, running into acres of space. And I can't deny that those ones, but I saw on the ball he was he was he was good. There was nothing to complain about on the ball. So first month in the first half, and I think that sort of settled down in the second half. I don't think he was going for those aggressive moves further up the pitch as, as often. So but I can see what, why people were annoyed at him from the first half, especially. Would you make to him? Yeah, I agree. So I, like I said, I didn't watch the game on Monday. I wasn't there. And I was just hearing the comments about Cooper and I was expecting I could complete a Cooper disaster class. And I don't think there was. I mean, yeah, there was There was a couple of moments in the first half where he kind of he came, came up aggressively like, like Strike's been doing recently and, you know, and then like, Stepping up and out of the line and trying to win, win the header. And Strokes been winning those headers, hasn't he? And winning those challenges. But Cooper didn't. He got turned. So there were a couple of moments, but I think he adjusted actually. And then second half he was good, uh, and it cost us nothing. So yeah, it wasn't quite the disaster class people I was expecting. Having watched it again, you know, a couple of days later, um, with the emotion out of it and stuff. So yeah, I, like I say, it was, it was fair person, and, and obviously, I think Cooper was fine. And I'm not overly worried about Cooper right now. He seems to be playing okay. He was perfectly decent at West Brom. Nothing wasn't, you know, nothing there was on him. So, you know, if 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 Stuart needs a week or so just to get fit, I've, I've got no massive concerns about using Cooper in the short term. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I would I would rather give Strauch a longer rest, and he doesn't need to play at all in the game against Peterborough in the cup. Uh, just let like Cooper play that game alongside Cresswell, maybe give Roden a rest. But yeah, we won't talk too, we won't talk too much about football. Um, but that's about everything for the Birmingham game. Unless anything else which you want to talk about? 
Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to challenge the, the the comment about club cup football. I like cup football. I'm going to Peter <laughs> on Saturday on Sunday. I'm breaking away from all stats that week tradition. There's always got to be one black sheep, and we'll let you be our black sheep. There was one black sheep. Yeah, yeah, my ticket. I'm going to Peterborough for the first time. So there we go. <laughs> um, no, no, no. But like I say, just a couple of. I really hope that the the, the Bamford performance, the Russell performance at ten, the Bamford performance at nine gives him food for thought about how to use the forward line in different games. And I'm very much, I like Perot. I think Perot's a really, really good footballer. We've just got to work out how to get hit, get used into his best advantage. I just really hope, like, Fark really work, thinks about that and, and, and we'll work out some better ways of getting the most out of Perot, the most out of Bamford, the most out of Rutter, and, you know, in the right combinations. And also, same with Furpo. I hope, you know, Furpo can stay fit, then is a handy weapon to have for some games, but not all games. And I do hope we get a left back in. I agree with that. Wholeheartedly, um, and that's about, that's all, that's everything now for the discussion for, the, for these games. And just a reminder, quickly, the website for our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash asaw Patreon. But that's everything for tonight. Our next game is against Peterborough in the cup, and as usual, we won't be entertaining this nonsense. In the immortal words of Dan Driver, <laughs> cup football isn't real football. So we'll next be back with a bonus pod for our patrons. It should be over the weekend. We're hoping to record it which will maybe a little bit of talk about tran- the transfer window and also about the recent issues that we've had with our open play packing and reasons why we think it's happening. So that should be an, an entertaining podcast for our patrons. But the next pod for everyone to listen to will be our preview of our next league opponent, which is Cardiff City. But now I'll say thank you very much to Dan. Cheers, Martin. And thank you to you, dear listeners. Have a great week. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.